my name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is presented by Stats Coach. Stats Coach is a hockey analytics company which works with the minor and junior hockey community. For more information, visit www.statscoach.ca or contact statscoach at outlook.com. Today we're joined by Daniel DeShane, Assistant Director of Scouting with the Sioux City Musketeers. Daniel is one of those guys who seems to be in each and every rink you go to, consistently scouting players and gaining insight on a broad spectrum. With a multi-sport background and a connection to the Brock program, I figured he would present a different perspective and dive deep on a number of topics in and around the game of hockey and the sports world in general. After a quick conversation, I was able to get the green light from Daniel, and I am happy to have him join me today. With that, I am proud to present Daniel DeShane, the Assistant Director of Scouting with the Sioux City Musketeers. Today I'm joined by Daniel DeShane, the Assistant Director of Scouting with the Sioux City Musketeers. Daniel, thanks for joining the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited that you came on and, you know, we, uh, we've talked a bit in the past and uh, we've definitely talked a few times in a ring, so it's nice to get a familiar face on and, and talk about your experience. So let's get right into it. Uh, how about you tell people where you're from and touch on your upbringing and involvement in sports during your youth? Sure. Yeah, so uh, born and raised in Ottawa, Ontario. Um, played sports all growing up. Um, played hockey, which was my main sport. Played a little bit of soccer as well. Um, never really played the highest level. Um, and I tapped out at uh, at Rep B, so single A out in Ottawa. Um, played a bit in high school and then, um, you know, just always had a passion for hockey. And I just remember, you know, growing up, uh, loving the game and always wanting to be involved. So always watching, um, growing up was watching the OHL and watching the NHL and, and following as much as possible. Um, and always wanting to kind of have a career in, in something sports related. Um, so it's been great to kind of go through a path and we're going to chat about it a little bit today um, to kind of end up in, in hockey. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I say it almost every time, but, you know, people always say that, that involvement in sports during your youth is really what fuels the passion. And, uh, you know, when you can turn it into a career like you have, it's, uh, it's something special. And, you know, when you, when you enjoy what you do, you never work a day in your life. Uh, so you currently also uh, do some work with Brock University and you went through the sport management program, which uh, has been mentioned on this podcast before. Discuss your time at Brock and how it prepared you to work in sport moving forward. Yeah, so, you know, going through high school, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next and always knew that, yeah, that I wanted to do something in sport. Um, wanted to, to work in an area that I was passionate about and can get excited every day to get to work um and then discovered the sport management program at brock i did some of my research on that and visited the campus and um the tour guide that day was in the sport management program and had nothing but good things to say and um so packed my packed my bags moved to st Catharines, and um enrolled in the program and um right from day one i mean met some incredible people all with you know same passion as me through sport and Remember, our professors always saying, you know, get involved and um, and volunteer and, and get that experience and, and see what you're interested in and um, it may change on, on what you think right now. Um, and you may just find an area that that you absolutely love. So, you know, going through the program, found some courses that I was really interested in and in sport marketing and um, sport law. And um, I worked with the intramural program, the university as well. So I had to manage some of the leagues, um, which was a great experience for on campus and, and getting that sport experience. Um, transitioning out of Brock, I then um, discovered the recruitment uh, position at the university. And, and now I get to, to present about the school and, and, you know, talk about the programs and, and that sort of thing, which it's allowed me to travel and, and meet new people and continue to network and, and connect with a lot of people that are interested in, in getting into sport management, um, which I've found really cool. And you get to share my experience a lot. Um, yeah, I, like, I love my time at Brock through the program. I mean, getting to, I say this to everybody, but getting to go to, to class and and talking about real world examples related to business, but all related to sport. 
So how are you know the Toronto Maple Leafs doing marketing with these companies and and um, what's happening in the world with the Olympics right now and and sport policy? Um, so just having that passion every day to to study and, and write those papers and go to class um, wouldn't change it for the world. So amazing experience. Yeah, it sounds like you had a great time. And then obviously, as you as we touched on, you know, you, you still do some work there and. And like you said, just being able to uh, talk about business and, and sport day in and day out. And then also at the same time, having the opportunities on campus, like you said, to do some involvement with the, uh, with the intramural stuff. It just shows that um, like any program in, in that field, when you go in there with an open mind and really take every opportunity that's presented, uh, you know, you can be very successful during your time. And, and uh, you know, many people look back at that similar experience, whether it be Brock or, or a number of different programs in that field. Um, they re they really enjoy their time during there and, and notice that it helps them uh, prepare themselves for the next level. Uh, so before your time at Brock, you actually got involved with Hockey Eastern Ontario as an official. How was that experience and what did you learn in that position which you carried with you later in your career? Yeah, so I remember I was 13 years old and I was outside one day with my dad and he's like, hey, you, you might uh, be interested in, in being a, a referee. Like, um, you know, they're, they're looking for, for more people this year. And uh, I said, okay, like, I'll, I'll try it out. Went to the tryout. And so I started when I was 14 um, as a referee and just started with House League and um, uh, just the young age groups and sort of worked my way up through those four years. And uh, so I did it all while I was in high school and um, got to meet some, some pretty cool people doing that, some people that were experienced in the game as as well as some of my friends um, doing that together, but um, learning communication skills in a very fast pace and competitive environment is um, an experience I've taken with me uh, through every position that I've had. Um, it's, uh, you learn a lot about the different sides of the game and little minute details and um, even, you know, translating that into scouting and you know, we're watching players that are, uh, that have that hockey sense and they can think the game and, and when you're on the ice uh, and as an official you can see that coming to be and you, you need to make sure that you're out of the way so just even kind of adapting the own hockey sense uh, um, on the ice in those moments and um, yeah it was really cool to be on that side of, of the game and, and just to get a new perspective having played and then having, you know, helped coach some of the younger, younger kids when I was growing up and then, and being able to, to work as a referee, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, obviously transitioning to Brock, I, I then I didn't really have access to, to get around. And so I, I worked some games when I was back in Ottawa over the breaks, but um, still cool to be part of and, and then take with me through, through my time at Brock and then into uh to the game today yeah definitely you can obviously learn a lot of those entry-level experiences and that's obviously why I uh, you know wanted you to speak about that uh, that position and uh, you know in the past we've had others talk about these unique positions I always reference senior hockey uh, Brad Yetman referenced an opportunity of senior hockey in AAA and you know there's all these different entry levels that you know aren't as glamorous as say an OHL or a USHL or an NHL position per se but uh, you do learn a lot, and uh, that was definitely one that I was very interested in. Uh, it's cool so with that, too, is, sorry, right? it's just, uh, you know, it's even, we're watching from a scouting perspective, like, we're watching players that are trying to progress through the ranks and, and get there, and, and um, you know, as, you know, uh, hockey operations management, we also want to move up. Like, my goal is to, to keep moving up, and, and that was the same in, in refereeing. So these guys are still, some are just out for, you know, it's a nice part-time job on evenings and weekends and stay active and others that want to continue to, to move up. So even being in that environment with people that push you to be better every day and every time you get to the rink and step on the ice, um, it's a pretty cool experience and, and sort of take that with you um, as uh, into other positions and, and push each other to be better and have that competitive environment. It's really, yeah. it's really cool. Just another transferable skill you can kind of learn in, in a place you didn't really exactly. expect. But I, I like that perspective, and that's another great point to put on top of it. Um, so between 2015 and 2016, 
Uh, you spent some time outside of hockey working with both the Ottawa, Ottawa Fury FC and the Eastern Ontario District Soccer Association. Discuss your roles in these positions and uh, your ex initial experience of working in the sports industry aside from refereeing. Yeah, so um, like I mentioned before, when I started in the sport management program at Brock, um, all of our professors and, and upper year students and alumni always said, get involved and volunteer and, and network. And didn't really know what that meant, um, the whole networking thing. You, you start to figure it out as you go. But um, in my first year, I started reaching out to some sports organizations back in Ottawa so that I can volunteer over the summer. And um, I had connected with uh, Graham Ivory, the Ottawa Fury. And uh, Graham now works for uh, Town of Arm for Arm Recreation, but been with the Fury for, for years. And he brought me on to help out on game days. Um, so the Ottawa Fury at the time were playing in the, the USL, United uh, Soccer Leagues. And had a women's team and, and a men's development uh, team as well. So there's some doubleheader games and, and week weeknight games. And uh, I'd help in pretty much everything from setting up the tents and um, taking tickets and setting up dressing rooms and um, making sure that uh, the teams and the officials came out on time. Um, and uh, also helped with media notes and some, some work behind the scenes on the broadcast. Um, so just being able to, to get involved and kind of see all aspects of uh, a game day operations um, was really cool and, and it's sort of a rewarding experience. And so each summer I was back, I kept volunteering with the team and, and the, the team transitioned to um, uh, professional and they were playing in the North American Soccer League um, out of the newly renovated TD place in Ottawa. And um, during so I got to volunteer there and then got to transition to my internship with the team as well. So uh, Graham brought me in to um, work as their intern that one summer in 2015. And um, I was able to do a little bit of everything, which was really cool. I was able to work in, with him in communications, um, in media relations, um, was also able to help um, run behind the scenes of the academy teams and help plan their game day operations and take a full lead on recruiting some volunteers to help um, to help run that uh, those game days um, and then also work on game day operations as a visiting team liaison um, for the pro team so I'd, I'd basically be, be with the opposing team from the moment that they'd get in um, on game day until the moment they left, making sure they had everything that they need um, for smooth operation. Um, and was also able to work with, um, with the pro team itself. So I was able to work with the coaching staff um, and uh, director of operations and help with special projects. Um, so working through proposals um, for the league and, and um, Canada soccer. Um, as well as doing some video work with them and, and just sort of being around the team. And, and what I really took away from that was just like, we think that there's one thing that you can do in sport and it's you know, pro sport operations, but there are so many little things that going into making sure everything is successful. Um, so working with the Academy, um, I'd be making sure that the bus was, was there on time. Um, getting on the bus, making sure that every player for both teams is accounted for on our trip to Montreal, making sure that, um, you know, we had food ready for after the, we played double adders. Um, so food is ready after the first game for the first team and food was there on the bus for, for the second team. Um, and just sort of troubleshooting as I went and, and um, got to work with uh, Phil and, and Mark DeSantos who are now with the Vancouver Whitecaps and, um, They've progressed through the ranks and, and are doing some incredible things for, for soccer in Canada. And it was great to work with them um, on a daily basis and see the energy that they came in with. Um, the major appreciation for behind the scenes and the coaching staff um, who show up very early, planning practice, setting up, running practice, um, going through meetings, and then come back into the office full of life and tons of energy and are doing everything that they can to make the team just 1% better every day. And that um, energy rubs off on you and 
uh, you know, being an intern and um, was given a lot of responsibility. So, you know, really appreciative of that experience. And um, it was, a, it was an interesting decision for me as well. Um, always wanting to work in hockey, but then doing my internship with a soccer team and some people thought I was crazy, but for me, being able to see another sport and, and the similarities that we go through on a team operation standpoint um, was uh, was a rewarding experience for sure. Um, then when I graduated from Brock in 2016, I, um, I was back in Ottawa for the summer um, before going back to Brock for work. And I um, was working at the Eastern Ontario District Soccer Association, uh, as you mentioned there. And um, it was just a short contract. I was um, just helping with sort of league operations and, and approving of player transfers and player eligibility requests. Um, we're also helping do some special projects for soccer in, in Eastern Ontario and um, where are we seeing trends um, in registration and, and um, teams and clubs over the past several years. And then uh, on evenings and weekends was able to still get out and, and volunteer on game day with the Fury, um, both with media relations and with uh, the game day operations team. Yeah, it sounds like a very full experience in two of those. And, and I, I liked the, you touched on the people that you got to work with and who have moved on in soccer and the energy and stuff that they brought and, and the different things that you were able to experience uh, in those organizations. So on the topic of sports outside of hockey, people often talk about the importance of being a, a multi-sport athlete. Uh, Brad Yetman, who was on our podcast recently, as I mentioned, was one person who said that his parents were uh, against playing hockey in the summer and insisted that they go into other sports, which he appreciated later on. Uh, with that thought in mind, how important do you feel it is to be a multi-sport athlete from a player perspective? And at the same time, talk about the importance of having a multi-sport experience on the operations side. Yeah, from a player perspective, I think it's huge. Um, getting off the ice in the summer and, and kicking a soccer ball around or, or or playing baseball, playing lacrosse, like you're developing um, other fundamental skills and you can take that with you back to your main sport, right? Um, you just think of, you know, cradling a lacrosse ball and, and the contact that comes and, and the sense of the game. Um, you think of soccer, like there's so much tactics involved that you don't necessarily realize and, and understanding those tactics, you, how does that translate to hockey um so I, I really think there's an importance from an athlete perspective um also as a, a refresh um as, as passionate as you can be about the game it's also nice to see the other side of things see other sports and um and just get your body moving in different ways um from a um, staff perspective i think it's also equally important um just to understand the what is going on in other sports right now. And so um, analytics being a, a big piece, um, some would say that it's slow to come into hockey, but it's been bigger in baseball. So what can we as hockey executives learn from baseball? Um, and so from, from my perspective, being able to sit with, with Phil and Mark uh, DeSantos as they're going through video, um, and they're explaining their tactics and the reasoning for putting these players in the lineup and, um, and their decision-making on a, on a daily basis. And um, that was really crucial for me to then see how that translates with hockey as well. And um, I'd be remiss to not mention uh, Martin Nash, who was uh, an assistant coach on that team as well and, um, and played for, for Team Canada um, and uh, his brother, obviously Steve Nash, we all know. So we talked that family and one was at their prime in basketball, one at their prime in soccer and um, can see the, the, the differences and the similarities in the game and, and have that unique perspective. Um, I definitely took a lot out of my experience that summer and, and how I can translate that into seeing the game of hockey and, and um, how we can continue to develop um, uh, in hockey operations. 
Yeah, I, I agree with the fact that, you know, there's just so many transferable things that you can take from other sports. And uh, me personally, an experience that I really look back on is my time uh, with the town of Torbay where I did um, the Killicoast Games, which was roughly 500 athletes playing multiple sports. Just, uh, you know, just the different uh, things that you have to deal with in, in a situation like that. Uh, even just managing people or something as simple as that, you know, I take it back with me when I go into hockey and uh, in my position today. Uh, soon after your time uh, in those positions, you took a new role with Future Considerations Hockey. Uh, How did you gain that position? And talk about transitioning to scouting in year one with FC. Yeah, so um, going into my second year at Brock, I, I then began uh, to work with future considerations, um, pretty like a limited role, I'd say in, in the beginning, sort of feeling out uh, the process and, um, was, uh, you know, they gave me the opportunity to hone my skills in scouting, um, and provide me with, uh, some inputs and, um, and help me develop, um, as a scout. Um, pretty nerve wracking at, at first, you know, going to games and having to think from a scouting perspective. And I'd always thought in that way, but um, to then have formulate the reports. And over the first year, it was, um, it was a matter of just developing those skills and being confident in, in my writing of the reports and knowing that at any time these reports could become uh, available to the public through future considerations and through the draft guide. So I had to make sure that what I was writing, I, I believed and, and I stood behind. And if anyone challenged me, I, you know, I would stand up for what I believed in and, and how I evaluated those players. Um, so that first year it really showed me a lot. Um, so about just like the work ethic and, and the time that goes into it. Um, you know, some people think, the job is super glamorous to go to the rink and watch hockey. And yeah, it, it is, but also when, when I get home, I got to write these reports and for any game, it can be anywhere from one to 10 players that I've got to write a report on and, and make sure that it's, um, that it's perfect. And cause I'll be submitting it to our scouting director and, and submitting it to our team and, and have to, um, stand behind my beliefs uh, in meetings so that first year was um was a big learning experience and um really showed me that there's a lot that went into it and and that's something that I really wanted to do and was passionate about yeah I think you made a couple of great points there one being uh the fact that you had to kind of really think about what you're putting in as a lot of it would be public I think that's a great um, learning point and almost a good way to to look at it moving forward even in a private setting with a team you know uh, it, you know, you should be really thinking about everything that goes into your work. And, and when you do finally submit that scouting report or, or anything to management or, or like you said, a, a director of scouting or head scout, uh, you really want to put your everything into it. And, and at the end of the day, be happy with uh, what you're sending in and, and make sure that it reflects your, your opinion as you did in that position. Uh, you would eventually move into a more prominent role with FC as the Eastern head scout. Uh, discuss how the promotion came about and touch on the added responsibility associated with the larger role. Yeah, um, our Eastern or Ontario head scout and, and Quebec head scout at the time had left and um, our director of scouting, uh, Dan Stewart, was sort of filling that role. And, um, you know, I guess he had he'd seen the work that I'd put in over the, the previous uh, year and a half, two years and, and liked what I was doing, but um, promoted me into that role. Um, it meant a little bit more uh, uh, coverage. So trying to get more video and, and in-person viewing across the OHL, across uh, tier two, as well as um, um, the, the Quebec League. And, um, you know, every time I'd, I'd go back and, and visit friends and family in Ottawa, I'd across the border and, and uh, see some games in Gatineau um, so be able to get some in-person viewings and in, in the Quebec league. And um, at that point, um, uh, the rest of the Ontario and, and Quebec region scouts were sending their reports to me uh, or, or any, any of our scouts that had viewed 
uh, OHL and, and QMJHL players. Um, so then I was, you know, responsible for going through those reports and making sure that not only were my rankings up to date, you know, each month and, and I stood behind those, but that our group was submitting rankings and that it was all being reflected in our collective rankings um, for our site and for our draft guide um, and just helping to put that together. So helping to uh, ensure that our, our reports were still being submitted and, and making sure guys were were, um, were committed and, and getting to the rinks. Um, and that's the biggest thing is that, um, you know, I'd always had it in me, you gotta get to the rink, gotta get to the rink and, and get these these views in. Um, and some people, you know, you gotta give a little bit of uh, a push and, and, and motivate them. And um, I thought that that was really cool is just being in that role and, and being able to, to help uh, push them along and, and help them kind of see that, um, uh, you know, their work come to be uh, in our draft guide and, and in the work online. Yeah. And I think the big takeaway that I can, I can find in that role is probably the fact that you really had to uh, start working as a director and kind of doing some more coordination while also, you know, obviously your expanded scouting role. And I think those positions where you can gain more authority, you know, in, in the right position where you're able to learn as well are really beneficial moving forward. Uh, and, you know, obviously that, that was your case as well. After a year as head scout with FC, you had the opportunity to, uh, you know, join a league and join Sioux City in the USHL. How did that opportunity present itself and discuss the change in your scouting method being in that new position in a team setting? Yeah. Um, the, the end of time with FC and uh, also was the time I was uh, graduating from Brock. Uh, and at that point, I was really looking more than ever to, to land with a, with a junior team. And um, I'd reached out to some contacts and nothing really came to be. And I started um, contacting some teams in, in the USHL and noticed the trend that some more players from, from Ontario were, were going south of the border to, to play. Um, and I was uh, connected with Jamie Huffman on uh, Twitter. And um, Jamie at the time was the assistant GM and director of scouting for uh, Sioux City. And... Um, you know, I, I had reached out to him and asked if they were interested in adding anybody in Ontario, sort of a shot in the dark and see what happens. And he got back to me right away. He said, hey, send me your resume. Let's talk. So we met at the NHL draft in Buffalo and we sort of talked about my experience and what he'd be looking for. And um, yeah, I started with the team late August and um, got to work right away. Um, the transition was, um, was interesting. I was going from watching the OHL, uh, three nights a week in person to now watching, uh, minor midget and, um, watching some major midgets in prep school, some of the OJ, uh, OJHL, um, junior A in Ontario, the CCHL and, and, uh, Trying to find players out of that league. Um, so I was going from projecting players for the NHL draft and their NHL potential to now looking at 15 to 20 year olds that could step in and make an impact in the USHL. And at the same time, knowing that we could only have four import players. And there was myself in Ontario and and our, our other direct, assistant director of scouting covers the West, Keegan Bell. And Keegan's based in Edmonton. So between us and between finding European players, we had to find the best players available and the ones that wanted to, to come to the USHL. Um, also had the transition of going from ranking all of the players that we thought, you know, could and should be drafted to the NHL to ranking players that fit our criteria, fit what we were about, had an interest in playing in the USHL and in Sioux City um, and that we're, we were committed to and, and we're committed to us. So, you know, I remember at our midterm meetings, so it was my first time sitting around and we just had to go through our, we're kind of going through our top tens from each of the regions. And I had a list that was very, very long and um, quickly realized that, hey, we're not going to be drafting all of these players. I need to trim down this list get second and third and fourth or 
not not just second, but extra viewings on these players, right? And um, and cross check and and start talking to these players more and um, do more background work, which wasn't necessarily the case with future considerations. We would we watch, we might talk to a player or two, and and we'd rank. Um, so now we were getting very selective on those players. Um, luckily for us, that same year, the USHL uh, made a change to the import rule. So uh, in addition to the four import players, we were allowed uh, two Canadian players that don't count to those four. So we had a bonus to that year, which was great. Um, so we were able to, to dig a little deeper and, and find those players we were interested in. Um, but not only was it about finding the players, but also um, there's a recruitment process with that and selling our league and selling our team and, and selling the region and, and why play for the Sioux City Musketeers. Um, so it comes with bumps and comes with a major adjustment, but um, a, a challenge that I love every day. I mean, I get to go to the rink one day or in the same day watching minor midget and then flipping over to watch a junior game at night. Um, you really almost have to adjust the way you're viewing the game at that time um, because we're looking for our, our phase one draft, our futures players, as well as our phase two draft, which we're looking for players that will come in and make an impact right away. So that balance of within the same day or the same weekend, evaluating players for both drafts and meeting our needs of tomorrow and meeting our needs of two years from now um it's it's an exciting challenge that's for sure definitely and and you know anytime you can you know be thrown into that new opportunity and and obviously going from like a a, a service to a to a team setting it's going to have bumps and and new things to learn um so not long after that similar to your quick promotion with fc you got yourself promoted to assistant director of scouting with sioux city uh, touch on the promotion and also the change in your approach uh, in a director role. Yeah, um, so my first year with Sioux City, I was covering leagues in Ontario, and um, I had I had let uh, you know Jamie Hoffman know like if you if you need me to go anywhere, uh, else let me know and. Around December, I went to the uh, Tier 1 Elite League Super Showcase in Detroit. Got to see the, one of the top players in the U.S. playing there and um, sort of started expanding on my coverage in that area, just giving some crossover views. And um, going into my second year with the team, we had a, a full changeover in staff. Um, our head coach was uh, uh, left for Kingston in the OHL and um, Jamie was hired by Pittsburgh um, to be their U.S. scout. And um, uh, Luke Strand, our current head coach, came in. And, and Andy Johnson, our current general manager, came in to, to run scouting. And um, so working with them and um, was, was awesome because I got to, to learn from, from new people and, again, continue to open my mind and, and seeing the game in different ways. And, and uh there's also had to continue to, to work hard and, and be in the rinks and um, show them what I was all about and how I can contribute to the team. Um, so as the year went on, um, you know, just, just kept working, getting into the ranks, filing reports and, um, you know, Luke and Andy, I guess, saw something in me and uh, um, a year and a half ago now, we, a change in our structure and so so Keegan Bell and and Sean Clark out of Detroit and myself are our assistant directors of scouting so we um, we head up each a region um, so I'm responsible for everything in eastern Canada as well as eastern U.S. and um, we have some scouts in in the region as well um, so I I can see their reports and and be able to connect with them on players and we can bounce ideas around with each other and um Ultimately, it's a it's a crossover role. So getting to go from watching games in, in Buffalo to Toronto to Boston, and um, making sure that we're we're checking the boxes and seeing these players and, and comparing them against one another. Um, it's also added a little more video, um, especially when the pandemic 
Pitt. Um, you know, I was lined up to be going to a number of, of events and um, quickly pivoted to getting uh, additional views and crossover views on, um, on as many players as we could. Um, so yeah, it's like shifting into this role has been, been nice just being able to connect with our scouts out East, um, you know, going into the events in Boston and, and saying, they're kind of giving me a list of, of their guys that they're really pushing for. And so I go in and, and do some cross, uh, cross checking on these players. Um, a few, and a few guys have been able to come up uh, into Ontario. And so I kind of give them the, the players that, that we're targeting and to get those, um, those views in as well. So it's a real collaborative effort. Um, but we just want to make sure that we're getting all of the views in. There are players across the world that um, can play in the USHL and we want to find them. Um, so we're working together every step of the way to, to make sure we're bringing the best players into Sioux City. Exactly. And I think it just goes to show that, once again, the transferable skills, uh, you know, you look at your time as head scout uh, for East with uh, FC and, uh, you know, overseeing some people. And then obviously in your position now, kind of, you know, acting in, in a similar role in the way that you're, uh, you're getting these reports and kind of getting these lists and interacting with those scouts. So it just goes to show that, uh, you know, even though they're two very different experiences, uh, you learn something similar and you can use a similar skill set in the same position. Um, you know, we've talked with OHL scouts about their schedule and life as a scout. And I know you've touched on it a little bit, but coming from the USHL, walk us through a typical week or even month in your role. And uh, at the same time, touch on, uh, was it how you expected it to be coming in? Yeah. Um, so a typical week varies just depending on the events. Um, so obviously targeting some of the key events um, in Ontario, like the, uh, uh, the Titans tournament in September, uh, the border battle uh, in November, uh, Silver Stick in, in Whitby at end of November each year, Marley's tournament around Christmas, and then sort of working around that and seeing um, the showcases as well for the junior leagues. So, uh, the CCHL showcase in Ottawa, the, the OJ showcase, which has been in Buffalo the last few years, and um, the GOJHL showcase. So I kind of plot those in and then work around with uh, other games um, throughout the week and, and weekends. So generally most Friday, Saturday nights is a junior game. Um, Sunday is sort of a mix, either a, a mix of minor midget, major midget, and, and junior. Um, and then try to get to a couple games during the week. Um, just depends on sort of the, the work and life schedule. And um, sometimes it's nice to have a home game just with, uh, with travel that comes from it. Um, and then from there, it's plugging in the, uh, the um, crossover events I want to get to. So looking at the schedule of the U.S. Um, showcases and looking at uh, things like the Beantown Classic and um, uh, the New England, New England Prep School uh, tournaments just before Christmas. Um, the long days and cold rinks, but uh, see some pretty good hockey um, for the, the four days. Um, and then amongst all that, it's getting the reports in and trying to get them as quick as possible. And, and uh, there's times throughout the year where the, uh, the reports sort of backlog a little bit um and you know and, and each september it's always okay i want to get these done within the week within the day and uh it lasts a bit but when there's a lot of games and, and a lot of events start to backlog so then sometimes it's uh, okay saturday i'm gonna buckle down and we're gonna get these reports in and update the lists and then uh get out to a game in the evening um so it's a, it's a real balance like there's a lot of games one week or a little bit the next. It uh, varies, but I always feel uh, a little weird when it's a couple days without being in the rink. Um, just want to get back in, sort of itching to get back in and feel like you're missing things at times. So, um, yeah, it's important for us to, to be in the ranks. And, um, but again, I also mentioned video. So, you know, if after the first couple months, 
we kind of have our target list of players um, that we want to hone in on throughout. And if um, if it's just not accessible to get to their games or they're not playing, you know, for a couple of days, then I'll, I'll spend that time uh, doing some video work and um, getting those crossover views in on some of those players that, um, you know, in, uh, in Boston that I might not get to see for another month or two. Um, so we're just sort of all making sure that we, we check those off there. And uh, yeah, the weeks are busy, but, uh, but really fun. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure everybody you know, in similar positions can speak to, uh, you know, enjoying the position, but obviously at the same time, the grind and, uh, you know, but at, at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're in the rinks and you're enjoying what you do. And, uh, you know, as you said, sometimes you get a couple of days of a break or maybe there's a down time in the season and you almost feel like you should be somewhere, even though, you know, you're just taking a break for yourself or for family life or whatever reason. Uh, so I think that's a great way to kind of uh, explain uh, some time in your role. Uh, yeah, and I've, I've tried to listen to, try to listen to your body more as well, right? And sometimes you say, well, as much as you, you know, really want and need to be in the rink, sometimes you also, you need a day just to take a breath and, and then, uh, and then get back to it. Because I find, you know, even a day or two off and, and come back more motivated than ever and and just have that clear clear mind and fresh perspective going into the rink um you know i've when you're fine when you're tired in the rink and a long day or a long weekend sometimes it's it's hard to um it's hard to make out what's happening and so you, you just got to kind of remind yourself hey i'll be better off if if uh, i get a quick rest and because these games aren't going anywhere, I'll be back tomorrow, um, and I'll be able to see things, uh, see clearly, and and the end. Like, how can we make our team better? And that's if it means taking a quick break, then that's important um, for everybody. Yeah, I think that's again a, a great point, and and I've been in situations. You know, you mentioned like the Titans tournament and the Whippy Silver Stick, and some of those tournaments at, after you know two or three days in the rinks and. Uh, you kind of uh, start to zone out maybe at some points and you just need to take a break, whether it's, uh, you know, go back to the hotel or, or even just go down and grab a coffee or go out in your car and kind of just take a breather. You know, uh, there's all these little things that, um, you know, will help it help you make, be more successful moving forward. And obviously throughout the season, if you don't take those breaks, you can really burn out. And, um, you know, obviously the off season too is a great time to kind of, take a step back once the draft's over and, and really say, okay, maybe I need, I need a little bit of time here to, you know, do anything but hockey. But uh, as fanatics, we always find our way uh, going back into the arenas, you know, whether, whether how cold it is or, or how bad the coffee can be sometimes. Of course. Um, and, and in the normal July, it's uh, the U S select camps yeah. taking place. So USA hockey with their 15, 16 and 17 festivals and, you know, by our draft, it's in, May, in beginning of May, and, and then we go through our camp and and uh, take a little breather there at the end of June, and then almost itching to get back into the rink in July. And it's nice outside, but you want to be inside watching hockey. And so it's different this summer, but um, yeah, the the summer's nice to to decompress, but also finding those things to get back into the rink is sometimes a little crazy, and and, and want to be there. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, from personal experience, I think you realize that maybe you're doing it a little bit too much is when you go to the rink that one day in your shorts and you kind of do have to do the quick change and throw on the jacket and the pants. And, you know, you're trying not to have a heat stroke as you're walking into the rink until you're finally in there and, and then you're properly dressed. And I'm sure a lot of people have gone through that experience. So, you know, you're, you're going to the rink, you don't really know what you should be wearing. And again, it just kind of comes to the fact that you just love uh, being there and it's something you you want to do even when it's technically your time off. Um, exactly it's it's the passion and love of the game right it uh it hits you even when it's 35 degrees outside and in the, in the passenger seat is your big uh, big coat and and uh notebook ready to go yeah exactly uh so you know you talked about the usa hockey uh, camp there in the summer and in USA Hockey, we've seen, uh, you know, some progression in the caliber range from the national development program to the NHL, et cetera. Uh, talk about your perspective on the growth of the USHL and USA Hockey in general. 
and as a result also speak to your approach and maybe uh, the recruitment process and getting people to uh, you know um, like radiate towards that progression yeah um i think usa hockey has done a great job with the american development model um small area games cross ice hockey um, and and making sure that's a fun environment for all um, at a young age to, to keep them engaged in the sport. Um, and just looking at the growth in, in some of those non-traditional um, markets, as they're usually called. Um, uh, you know, this year we, we drafted a player from uh, San Diego, played in, in Phoenix for a few years, and, and uh, we drafted two players from San Jose. Um, and this past year, we had two players on our team from Dallas. And you look 10, 15 years ago, and that's not really the case. And so the growth in uh, hockey in these areas um, and some, some very high-end players coming from uh, the South, um, it's helping to, to accelerate things with uh, USA Hockey. And, and then that just pushes the uh, competitiveness and, and the caliber of play in the USHL um, and ultimately the NCAA. And so for us, um, you know, in the 2019 NHL draft, 52 active players in the USHL were selected. Um, and the most of any junior league in the world. We have, um, you know, it's been, it's been great to see the progression of the league and, and the caliber of players and, um, we have some very good players from around the world. Um, and, you know, with us, our, our guys are going to um, play Division One hockey. And um, some of our players have signed uh, professional contracts um, right out of Sioux City. Um, so the, the, the pathway to professional hockey and, and, uh, and college hockey is there. And, and we have the... Um, resources in place for these players so you touched on the, the recruitment process and um, I think slowly in Canada USHL is becoming more of a, a known commodity um, and so we're getting people reach out um, each year to ask questions and express their interest and and try to learn more about the league um, and I'm always open to talking to people about the league and, and whether it's a fit in Sioux city or not, like sharing um, what we are all about in the USHL um, and getting out to see these players play. Um, Cause if you're expressing an interest in the league then we're going to, um, we're going to follow up and we're going to connect and, and uh, get out to see you play. And then um, that being said, it's, you know, there are some players that we're very interested in and, and we connect with them and, and ask about what their thoughts are um, for their, their pathway and um, explain a little bit what we're all about and, and love to make connections with people. Um, and, uh, you know, unlike some other junior leagues, we don't have many 16 year old players. Um, there's only a handful in the league each year. Um, you know, we've, we had one player last year made our team out of camp, um, sort of surprised us all and, and pushed for a spot. And, um, we have a tender process. So we give up our first round pick uh, if we want to tender a player. So we would commit to that player to play in 55% of uh, the games next season. So we tendered uh, Nick Pierre from, uh, from Hill Murray uh, in Minnesota. And uh, so, you know, projected that Nick will be the, only 16 year old on the roster unless something something happens so it's it's also a matter of explaining the timelines to people um and just being honest with them that you know they're not always going to play in our league at 16 um it's an old like a bit of an older league it's it's fast it's competitive and and there's an adjustment process so um the right player can step in and make that impact at 16 and um we're always looking for that player, but also we're looking at the, the, the long-term play as well. Um, so what can that player bring to us in, at 17 and at 18? And, and how do we get them ready for the draft and for college hockey? And 
and move them on to, to college and professional hockey. Um, so yeah, just the, the scouting process is, is really, we just, we're trying to find the players that fit our criteria and the way we want to play, um, fit the type of people and the type of families that we want involved with our program. And then, uh, um, you know, sharing all the positive attributes of the USHL and, um, and why people want to play in the league, um, and share experiences and, and, um, connect them with the right people um to to share the experience there yeah and you know we we, the whole topic of usa hockey and its development you know it kind of goes hand in hand with the development in different countries outside of canada and you know even canada i I feel is still elevating obviously with with hockey in general and i think it just goes to show that how you know you look at the nhl level how hockey is really becoming the global sport and and uh, you know different programs that uh, the professional hockey leagues and the junior hockey leagues they're putting out and obviously, you know, import drafts and, and uh, you know, nationwide recruiting. It's uh, it just goes to show the development of hockey across the world. And I think it's great for the game. Obviously, we're getting to see multiple players from multiple countries uh, excelling at all levels. Uh, so switching to a more of a reflection, uh, as someone who remains involved in Brock in the learning process overall, are there any books or Twitter accounts or other references that you look to for the purpose of growing your knowledge in the game of hockey? Yeah. Um, so I'm a big podcast uh, listener. So um, the Hockey Minds podcast is a, it's a great uh, starting point for anybody. But also I really like the Glass and Out podcast and the coaches site does and, and talking with coaches and, and their experience in the game as well as uh, the NHL executive suite. NHL puts that out and um, interviewing uh, not only general managers, but presidents and, and business um, uh, people on the business side uh, with the league and, and the game. Um, in terms of books, um, Behind the Bench by Craig Custance was uh, a really good read. Just being able to, um, uh, you know, he sits down with coaches and, and watches one of their um most famous games they were involved in whether it was winning or losing the Stanley Cup and Olympic gold and watches the game with them and and they talk about their insights and what they were thinking in those situations and it's really um something that 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 gets you thinking in terms of those high pressure moments what is going through uh their mind and they're at the top of the game um from a I also read uh range by David Epstein and so it's a, a new book uh, this year and and really it's just not it's about um, not specializing in one thing whether that's sport or an instrument or a, a topic just being able to have a wide range to your abilities and and so you know reading that I think back to working with the Ottawa Fury and um, and sort of seeing both sports and and the insight to that um, so that one's a really good book. Um, also just finished reading Legacy, about the All Blacks and uh, the Cubs way. Both just looking at culture and, and team building, uh, which were incredible books and, and something I, you know, I, I got a Kindle for Christmas. And so just being able to highlight in there and gone back on it a few times to read some of those um, uh, excerpts of, uh, from the book. Um, so th- those are some of the big things that I look to. Um, um, some podcasts and some books and um, those are some of the, the key ones yeah for sure and it just again goes to show that there's so many different resources out there and uh, you know we always uh, talk with different people about these different resources and whether it be books and you know you touched on a couple uh, in baseball and, and different sports like that and, and the one about the topics uh, and being you know uh, looking at different things and not just fixating on one. I think they're all, uh, there's a lot to learn in each one of those. And uh, for people in hockey operations or, or any other field, it's definitely good to, you know, continue to look for these resources and, and whether it's podcasts or books, et cetera, and uh, learn from them. Uh, so in the game, people don't progress without learning from mentors and at the same time learning major lessons from these individuals. Uh, discuss some of the mentors in your career and the major lessons that you have learned thus far. Yeah, it's, a, it's one of the biggest mentors for me in, in hockey is uh, Jamie Huffman. Um, 
just a very passionate guy and, and, but always likes to keep things light. And, um, um, you know, we we're talking earlier about being confident in, in the reports you're writing and that sort of thing. Um, we we're preparing for the draft my first year in Sioux city and, um, talking with Jamie, we we're going through our list and he said, well, what would you change? I said, uh, you know, I'd, um, I'd move these two players. I'd move this player down. Um, and then I followed that up by saying, and, and I don't know if he remembers this or not, but it's something that stuck with me almost every day since. And um, I, I followed it up by saying, uh, I don't know, I could be wrong, but, you know, we'll see. And he just stopped and looked at me and said, um, well, if you believe it, stand behind it. Like you are here and I'm asking your opinion because I value what you're saying. And like, trust your gut. Don't ever say, I don't know, I could be wrong or I might be crazy. Don't ever say that. He's like, stand, stand behind it. So um, for me, like I take that into account every time I'm right, like putting our list together and, and putting the reports together and um learning from the you know the things that we got wrong is important um and you know I was listening to the uh, interview with Sean LaFortune and he was saying you learn a lot from from the, the mistakes or from the, the things you got wrong more than the things you hit on um and I completely agree with that as we look through and for one reason or another a player might not work out uh, in our system or might not progress the way that we thought but how can we go back and look at that and look at the reasons why um were there any biases at play um were there you know what may have happened either with myself when i was doing that evaluation um or what's happened with the player since or just not fit our criteria but it helps you learn from that um so yeah after that you know conversation with jamie it was everything that I put out and I put into RinkNet as, as a list or um, as a report, I need to 100% stand behind. Um, and if someone questions me on it, then um, I know the reasons why uh, I believe this. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, checking back um, later and reflecting on, okay, what are the reasons why it didn't? Um, so that's something that's, that's really gone a long way. Um, but, you know, just being, you mentioned some other mentors and, and just being around some, some people in the game that, you know, they have different experiences and, and may see the game a different way. And you kind of take things um, out of that all the time. Um, so, you know, our staff, like learn something from them every single day that work together. Um, hey, like, you know, I noticed you said this, like, why, what's your, what's your thought process on that? And then they explain something and you can kind of pivot your perspective to what, how they're seeing the game. Um, so that's been really cool. It's just surrounding yourself with good people um, and listening and listening to the things that they say and, and, uh, and reframing your perspective at times. Um, I think that's been really important. Definitely. And, you know, you, you obviously just talked about the point about surrounding yourself with good people. Uh, in my career, I could definitely speak to the same thing, you know, whether I was with the scout.ca or, you know, today in Sarnia. Uh, it's the people that you surround yourself with and the people that you, uh, you know, interact with on a daily basis or, or bounce ideas off that uh, help you grow in that capacity. And, and, you know, when you look back at those interactions, whether at whatever level it be, uh, you know, it, it really strikes something with you and, and you look back at it in a, in a positive light. Uh, so for a final question, for someone looking to scout in the USHL or work in hockey operations, what is one final piece of advice that you would give them? Maybe something that you would have also given to yourself looking back. Yeah. Um, people always said, you know, just be in the rank, just be in the rank and just be present and know what that meant. And like, okay, I just, just got to show up and, and having been through it for a number of years, I'd, I'd say something similar. Um, but reason is that is people will then notice that you're there 
and you're willing to put in the work. And if you're willing to be there at that first game at 7.30 at the Silver Stick and you're there later in the day and you're there maybe at the last game, people notice. And, you know, there's people that I see in the ranks that I've never um, necessarily spoken with, but we nod and say hello and because um, we see each other all the time. And, and so, you know, next step is to, to talk to them and just introduce yourself. But um, the biggest thing is have a, a want to and a desire to pursue this and, and be passionate about it. Um, you know, I, I uh, had somebody ask me one time about um, coming to the rink. I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm going pretty early. And like, oh, well, that's, that's very early. Yeah, but it's when the games are being played and that's, you know, that's a team that has a player on it that we're interested in. So that's when I'm going to be there. Um, and so if you're not willing to, to put in that extra work and, um, and get better, then um, you got to ask if it's something that you are interested in. Um, I've always believed in trying to find ways to get better every day. And, um, you know, there's, you got to put in the reps. So uh, it doesn't come easy. After my first year with future considerations, I was still figuring it out and um, really learned along the way. You learn by doing pretty quickly in the game. And um, so just being in the rink and, and learning from people and asking questions. And uh, that's the biggest thing. Um, people also think, you know, that you can just graduate or step into the NHL and, not the case unfortunately I mean it'd be wonderful if it was but you got to put the reps in at a variety of levels to get there um and it's something that I have had to remind myself a lot about um so whether you're working for a service or you're you're writing a blog and you just got to be present and and I noticed the people that um they're they're on twitter and um they're putting out their opinions and and they might be writing a blog or contributing to a service and and uh start to notice those people in the rink and and you know right we've we've chatted in the rink before and you know you you were tweeting about games and your opinion on players and i'd see you in the rink and like that's important hey if i'm going to this this game and, and ryan's got an opinion on this player from from uh niagara north I okay he's there he's seeing it happen um so that's really important, being there, putting in the work, and um, um, and just being patient with it, I'd say. Yeah, I, I think those are all great points, and, and there's a lot of lessons to learn there. And, and like you said, sometimes it just takes that repetition and being present in, in the moment, and, and that's, you know, where you learn those lessons. And, you know, it's not always a, a glamorous path or an easy path by any means, and sometimes, like I said, it takes those those early morning rises and those late nights in the rinks. But, uh, you know, if you put in the work along the way, you will learn and, and you will get there if, if you keep at it. Um, so yeah, that's it. The other thing too is like find your voice and make it different. Like the scouting reports, um, you know, they're, they're pretty, sometimes they can be cut and dry and, um, you know, pretty just descriptive, but um, how can you make it a little different? So when someone's reading it, uh, they may get a chuckle or, or they can like vividly picture it. Um, so I had like so Andy Johnson, our general manager in Sioux city, we were doing prep for the draft and he said, Oh, what did you think of, of this player? Oh, I was just reading your reports. Actually I had a good laugh at that one. Uh, you know, you just put in something cause if it helps you remember it more too, uh, and helps the people that are reading your reports, um, picture it. And, uh, and if they get a laugh or, or they can visualize it, then even better, right? Yeah, and just another way to stand out and, and obviously for the right reasons. And uh, of course. Yeah, like you said, not, it's always good to have a laugh. And, you know, when, when you read hundreds and hundreds of reports, that, that extra bonus that you can throw in there, it will make a difference in the long run. And, you know, who knows if it will actually add to the, the end result. But, um, you know, along the way, you learn these little things that, that do make a difference and, uh like I said, at the end of the day, it uh, it only benefits uh, everyone in the long run. Uh, Daniel, I just want to thank you for taking time to come on the podcast. I really enjoyed the chat. And, you know, I haven't spoken with you for a while since we've been in the rinks. Uh, but 
I wish you all the best and hopefully we can be back in the ring soon. And, and, uh, you know, obviously I hope you have the best success moving forward. Well, thanks Ryan. It's, uh, it's an honor to join you and, and I appreciate you inviting me uh, to be on and, um, hope you take care. All right. Take care, Daniel. thank Daniel for coming on the podcast and sharing his story in a lengthy and insightful discussion. As previously mentioned, he's one of those guys who seems to be in every arena you go to, and not coming from a traditional playing background, even moving through other sports, he walked us through what can be an inspirational and interesting path for many listeners. So again, I'd like to thank him for doing that. If you would like to get in touch with Daniel to discuss his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact Podcast at Outlook.com and I can look to make the connection for you. On the next release of the podcast, which will come out this Wednesday, I will be releasing the reverse episode, where I had Matt Dumichel join me on the podcast in the role of the host. Keeping the questions private until the interview, Matt looked for insight on a number of different topics, and it resulted in a lengthy conversation on hockey and more. So for those who are interested, be sure to listen to that one later this week. As always, thank you for continuing to listen to the podcast, and thank you for the continued interaction on a broad scale. Finally, thanks again for the support, stay safe, and all the best.